0: wow i was praying for you guys we actually as a staff we've been praying for you we've been praying for everyone who's coming for those who are here i want you to know that the holy spirit has strategically placed you here this week we have prayed for you and as i was just reflecting on that during worship the lord reminded me of something he wanted to share that not only have we prepared for you, He has prepared your heart for this weekend. As pastors, it's so easy to come and receive and think, I can use this in my next message. Here's something that I can use for my team. But what the Holy Spirit wants us to know in this moment is that He has prepared this for you, not to share, for your heart to be restored, to be fed. To be watered, that it's okay just to receive without having to share it. So, in that moment, I just ask you if that's a need in your heart, just hold your hands open before the Lord. It's a moment, let's pray. God, I thank you, Father, that you are a good Father, that you lead us beside still waters. And, Lord, you restore our souls. God, I pray for every heart in this room. God, where it is dry, Father, quench it. Lord, fill it to overflowing, God. Lord, give us permission to just receive from you because you love us so much and you have something to outpour upon us and lavish upon just us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have an amazing night planned. This, this introduction is so easy because I love this woman who is coming to share, Lisa Bevere. Oh my gosh, she's in the house. She and her husband, John, are founders of Messenger International, and she is among so many things. She's a best-selling author, has a brand new book we're going to share more about in a little bit. But let me just say what I love personally about her and her ministry, Lisa. You are real. You speak truth. You are courageous. You are not afraid for God to use you in some most unique and unusual places. And as a woman in ministry, you give me courage. And so thank you. Thank you. So buckle up. Lisa Bevere is in the house. Let's welcome her. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Oh,
1: thank you so much. Well, good evening. Okay, seriously. I said good evening. Thank you. You guys have to help me. I just got back last night from Mongolia. so. You have to be awake for me because my body thinks it's supposed to have been sleeping for the last like eight hours. So I'm so excited to be here. This is my home church. I have not been here for a while, so it's a special treat to look out here and see all of you and welcome you. I hear it's been an amazing day and an amazing evening last night, and I was kind of laughing while Stephanie was introducing me saying, you don't need to listen to think that you could preach it because there is absolutely no way to follow me. It's going to be random, and it is going to be wild, but nobody is going to try to take that home and unpack it for their own church. So I want to talk to you. I did write a book because I I just came from Mongolia, and I have to to tell you I'm a little bit in that overflow of going to a nation where there was only four Christians in 1992 and then watching us rent, like John and I, we're just like crazy people. We rented an auditorium that sat 3,100 people, And we thought, let's do an overflow to a 1,500. About halfway there, I was like, could we just cancel the 3,100 and only keep the 1,500? But what happened was over 5,000 people packed out that place, standing along the walls, sitting on the seats, desperate for the word of God. And here's the thing. What I saw happen in that nation, I saw a nation wake up and remember who they were. I saw them wake up and remember that they used to be world conquerors and now they were gonna conquer their world for the gospel. I saw them arise and remember and when I saw what was happening in Mongolia, I said, I want that for my nation. I am not content for America to go away silently. It is not based on our election. For goodness sakes, we are citizens of the kingdom of the Most High God. And so we need to remember who we are. And just as I watched them just get a revelation on the last night of who they were, my son Arden, who's here, he said, Mom, it was the single most powerful moment I have ever experienced. When people rise to their feet, remember who they are, and then crying out to their creator, there is nothing more powerful. And so I did write a book called Without Rival because, see, I do believe that you and I are a people, Alive in a time without rival. Entrusted with a weapon, which is the word of God, without rival. Given an opportunity without rival. That we are sons and daughters without rival and we need to stop competing and comparing with one another because rivalry is robbing the body of Christ of your strength. I need you to be who God created you to be. I have the awesome privilege of traveling and speaking. I get adopted as a Sicilian grandmother, so I do a lot with uh, Bethel. And most re- more recently, I did Jesus Culture. And after I got done speaking, I, the young people, they know. They know there is something God breathed on their life, but they don't know how to access that. And they'll come to me in the line, and they'll say, while you were speaking, my heart was burning. I know I am called to do something, but I don't know what I am called to do. And I would take them by the shoulder and I would look them in the eyes and I would say, You are called to do something that has never been done before. And that is why you cannot look back or side to side to figure out what you're called to do. You must get in the presence of God. You must create some sacred space in your life because none of us will ever find out what we are called to do through Facebook or by looking at other people. We have a unique identity. That was woven by God for his glory. And we need to find out what that means in this day and this age. And all of you are leaders and pastors. And I respect the fact that you work different soils. You can't harvest corn the way you harvest wheat. But the principles are the same. And we are going to be a people who remember who we are, remember whose we are. And when we remember those two things, we're going to find out our real name. I love the interaction between Jesus and Simon. And Jesus has taken a poll. He was like, what are people saying about the Son of Man on Instagram? What are they saying about the Son of Man on Facebook? And Peter's like, well, Simon's like, hey, well, some think you're John the Baptist. Some think you're Elijah reincarnated. He said, yeah, but who do you say I am? And I love how the message version unpacks it. Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. You didn't hear it in a sermon. You didn't read it in a book. He said, my father revealed this to you. And because my father revealed to you who I, Jesus, truly am, I'm going to tell you who you really are. And too many of us have not let God Put his finger on our heart and give us the name that he calls us by. We are called by names of this world that contain us and label us, but God wants to call you a son and a daughter of the Most High. He wants to pull you out of containment and labels and position you for power and destiny. I'm going to be preaching tonight about being all in. All in. I'm going to open up with Matthew 10, verses 26-28. says, Don't be intimidated. Eventually, everything is going to be out in the open and everyone will know how things really are. So don't hesitate to go public now. Don't be bluffed into silence by the threats of bullies. There is nothing they can do to your soul, your core being. Save your fear for God, who holds your entire life, body and soul. In his hands, You know, I am just crazy enough to believe that you and I are writing some of the ending chapters of the book of Acts. Paul wrote to King Theopolis. He said, I wrote you, King Theopolis, of what Jesus Christ began to do and to preach. You and I have the honor of writing the end of that story. And it is time that we begin to write our lives well. Not read about everybody else's life, but find out what is written about us in the book of life and begin to give full expression to that with living, breathing letters. Sacred space. Selah. We need the pause. We need the ponder. But when I pause and when I ponder and I look around at what's going on in my day, I say, what the heck is going on? Anybody else feel that way? Or is it just me? Okay, I'm like, what has happened to our nation? Five years ago, we did not look like this. What is going on? And God's like, Lisa, I'm so glad you asked. Because I have the answer for you. And Romans chapter 1, verse 21, it says, what happened was this. People knew God perfectly well, but when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him, They trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. People knew God perfectly well, but when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship. Worship means I bow my knee. Worship means I don't exalt my experience or my opinion above the Word of God. Worship means that what God says is final. Worship means that I don't just acknowledge Him and say I believe He exists. Worship means, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. He doesn't take first place in some kind of God contest. He is all there is. He is our all in all. He is the only one who is holy. He is the only one that is the most high God. He is the God who finishes something, then begins it. We don't even have the capacity to get our brain around that. Isaiah unpacks this God. And what God is constantly saying is that, who is like me? No one, no one is like God. But you know what? We're trying to act like him. And we are doing what has been done Long before, because there's nothing new under the sun. We are a generation that says we are going to self-identify. Well, the first case of self-identification was not Adam and Eve. The first case of self-identification was Lucifer, where he said, I will make myself like the Most High. Somewhere he went from worship to admiration, and when you just admire someone, you think you can actually just take on their attributes and be them. But we all know that Lucifer's attempt to make himself like God was his undoing. And so he knew that work, so he did the same thing with Adam and Eve, tried to get them to be like God apart from God, be their own God, imagine that there was good outside of what God says is good. And now, again, we are trivializing ourselves into silliness and confusion. I recently watched an interview where they were talking to a 52-year-old father of seven who had decided to self-identify as a six-year-old girl. Last year, he was an eight-year-old girl, but this year, he is a six-year-old girl. And he began to talk, and he said, listen, now I drive my car like a six-year-old girl. Now I go to work like a six-year-old girl. Now I'm like filling up that six-year-old girl love tank that was never filled up. And I'm sitting here going, is somebody going to tell him it's because he was never a six-year-old girl? And my slightly jet-lagged, but still partly logical brain thinks that if you're a six-year-old girl, you shouldn't be driving a car, and if you're a six-year-old girl, you should be in first grade. And if we're going to really take this to the extreme and respect this, then we need to take it all the way. It was troubling to me that there was this much silliness and confusion, but what was even more disturbing to me was they asked people afterwards, "What do you think? Is he a six-year-old girl?" And do you know not one person would say, no, I think it's a man in a midlife crisis that has seven children. Not one person would say that. You know what they would say? I don't want to judge. I'm going to tell you something. Speaking the truth in love. Now, we've been to speak in love with no truth, or we've spoken truth with no love, but speaking the truth in love is not judging. Speaking the truth in love sets people free. I am so thankful that when I got saved at 21 years of age and I was running amok and being promiscuous that they didn't just say, we love you. They actually showed they loved me and took a risk and said, baby girl, you are fracturing and fragmenting your soul. You think what you are doing is freedom. You think promiscuity is your choice. You do not understand. You are no longer your own. You have been bought with the price. And you need to honor God with every area of your life. We need to speak the truth in love. But first, we must live the truth in love. Because the world is watching us, and when they see our lives conflicted, They don't believe that what we have is real our culture absorbs ceaseless amounts of information and yet lacks any tangible measurable transformation families are broken marriages fractured our judicial system corrupted teachers feel like they can't even educate anymore evil is called good good is called evil Lies are broadcast as though they were truth. Leaders fall, children are afraid, women are violated. People lose faith. And so many have compromised their integrity. Actors, performers, people who pretend, these are the ones that we have set up as our heroes and our role models. And then we wonder why we're confused. At best, our earth is sick and wounded, and it is teetering on the verge of a global collapse. But as if we did not have enough evidence that perhaps we're on the wrong course, we continue to gather more information. But I would propose we are searching for answers that we have already been given. And when people think that they are smarter than God, then sometimes they are just too smart to find their way back home. Romans 1.26 goes on. It says, worse followed. Refusing to know God, they soon didn't know how to be human either. Women didn't know how to be women. And men didn't know how to be men. This is the reality of our day But we are not of those who refuse to know God. We are of those who gather because we want to know what it means to be a son and to be a daughter of God. Our culture is trying to heal its brokenness by building their lives with untempered water. Can you imagine being so desperate for wholeness that you would do anything? to try to change your situation only to find out that nothing on the outside can change that longing, that brokenness that is in your heart. And yet we are pointing our fingers at the outside and not living what we have seen as transformation loud enough for them on our inside. We need to understand this day and this time is desperate for you to rise up And remember whose you are. 1 John 2.18 says, Children, time is just about up. You heard that Antichrist is coming. Well, they're all over the place. Antichrist everywhere you look, and that is how we know we are close to the end. One of the characteristics of an Antichrist spirit, one of its signature emblems, is the hatred of women. Wouldn't it be just like Satan to undermine and distort anything and everything that look like marriage and anything and everything that look like a bride until we don't even remember what a bride stands for, purity, longing, virtue. None of those things are even associated with a bride. It's just a big expense day. This is what we're seeing in our world right now. He is undermining things with, I can't can't even describe everything, gender side, sex trafficking, misogyny. Pornography, it demeans both images of men and women. It undermines who you are. It makes you a master, mastered by your flesh rather than by your spirit. None of these things were things that glorify the image of God in you. They are things that strip you and cover you in shame and guilt and fear. And so what we've decided to do is say, we're just gonna say it's all covered and it's okay, but we know. We know it's not okay. We know that we are called to a higher thing. We know that our God has invited us to be thou holy as I am holy. He is asking New Testament. New Testament. We're supposed to be holy in all we do because he is holy in all he is. You and I are walking the earth in a time where people are looking for holy. And holy is not being weird. Holiness is understanding that you belong to another place, that you belong to another realm, that you are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven walking the face of the earth, and that you are not subject to the fear that is on this land. You are not even subject to the economy that is on this land, because you are living by kingdom principles. (laughs) 1 John 2, 20 says, but you belong. The holy one anointed you and you all know it i have been writing this to tell you something you don't know but to confirm the truth that you do know and to remind you that the truth doesn't breed lies you belong to the most high god you belong to this time period you belong to the last days you belong in this company of believers The enemy will try to isolate you and make you feel like you are always on the outside looking in. You need to settle it. You belong. Because we are not standing on Christ's back. We are standing in Christ. And if you are in Christ, then you have been anointed by the Most High God. And the same Spirit that raised Christ from the grave wants to quicken your mortal body and live in you. He wants to gain expression through you. You know, I remember John led me to the Lord on our first date. And the next morning, the very next morning when I woke up, I heard, Nothing happened. You're not a Christian. You could never be a Christian. And for a moment, I froze and I thought of all the bad things about my life, all the scary things about my past. And then I thought, No, wait a minute. For 21 years, I have woken up every single morning and I have never heard, you are not a Christian. This is the very first time I've ever heard, you're not a Christian, so I must be a Christian. Why? Because he is a liar and he is a thief and he does not come to steal from you what you do not have. If he says you're not going to change your city, you're going to change your city. If he says you're not called to preach, you are called to preach. I don't know what he is lying to you about, but you need to say, shut up, I belong. The Holy One has anointed me. And you know it. I'm up here so seeing grandmother just yelling out loud things you already know in your heart. But you have listened too long to the lies of the enemy, and he has crowded things in your heart and in your head. We're clearing it out because you belong, and you are anointed for this time, and you are anointed for this moment, and you are not isolated. You are included. You belong. So I need you to fear not. I need you to close your ears to the lies. Lay hold of the truth. I some, heard somebody say something, and it just so resonated with my spirit. They said, hope is not a strategy. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're going to have to be violent. You can't just be like, I hope I make it. You, you, you better have some intentionality. Yeah, you need to be violent. You need to lay hold of the truth. You need to mark the path. You need to follow some people that are on a path that you already want to be on. Because I actually believe, or I wouldn't be here. I'd be in bed. My husband's in bed. He was like, honey, I love you. Go well tonight. I'm leaving tomorrow morning. Morning, I will be sitting on the front row asleep if I come. So I'm going to be praying for you while I sleep. You know, no, seriously, I would just be like, okay, I'm, you know, I, I, I love my church. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm coming home from Mongolia. No, I'm not. But here's, here's the crazy thing about me. I believe that in one moment... A destiny can shift. History can be apprehended. Things that were taken can be recovered. I believe in one moment, God can shift everything in your life. I believe he can heal your marriage. I can believe he can do anything in one moment. In one moment. When you have a God intersection with his spirit, I loved, is his name Tim? It might have been Jim Hughes. Tim Hughes, Jim, what is it? Tim, praise God, I did say it right. I love Tim's worship tonight. I love that he said, some of you, you haven't sung, you haven't sung a song that opened up your well for so long. You have to sing from the depths of your being. I was talking to Mia today at lunch, and you know, I I got saved and started dancing immediately to the awful music that they had in the 80s. Why? Because I knew somehow that I had to worship God with all of my might, all of my strength. I had to be fully engaged. And I have gone into my bedroom feeling oppressed, feeling defeated, heard a horrible report, and I have danced my way into the other side of that because the Bible says when people speak bad of you, you're supposed to rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Not post it on Facebook, not say something mean about them on Twitter, not go to Instagram and see what else everybody is saying. You need to lay hold of the presence of God until everything in you begins to shift and then you come out of that room different i need you to do this i need you to understand that if god can do it with me he can do it with anyone anyone second corinthians 6 verses 1 through 4 says companions companions as we are in this work with you there's not a platform and a back row companions companions as we are in this work with you we beg you please don't squander one bit of this marvelous life God has given us i god reminds us i heard your call in the nick of time the day you needed me i was there to help well now is the right time to listen the day to be helped don't put it off don't frustrate god's work by showing up late throwing a question mark over everything we're doing our work as god's servants gets validated or not in the details people are watching us as we stay at our posts alertly and unswervingly now i just want to address something and i hope i can do this well ministry pastors evangelists apostles prophets teachers if you believe in all five if you don't believe in you, no matter what those that work in the ministry they're given for the perfecting of the saints for the saints to do the work of the ministry Somehow it shifted where American churches think they pay that 10% or that 3% tithe and you are supposed to do all of the work of the ministry. No. You are supposed to perfect them to do the work of the ministry. Pastors are burning out because you are doing more than you are supposed to do. You are supposed to be equipping the saints so the saints do the work of the ministry. Not burning out so that you can like look like you're doing a lot of works. Because see, when we do what God calls us to do, there's a grace on it. Even if we are busy, if it's obedient, it's okay. Okay. When we're disobedient, then it's not okay. You could do a little bit and be disobedient and you'll burn out. But when God's hand is on your life and he has graced you to do something, then you need to stay where you are no matter who puts pressure on you. You must stay at your post alertly and unswervingly. There are so many things. I mean, I'm old enough to say this now. 56. My husband's 57. There are so many battles we have won by just outlasting him. Having done all to stand, you just stand. Therefore, don't you dare back off. The Bible doesn't say you take a little small step back so you don't intimidate people. It says you stand. You don't give up any of the territory God has given you, this is a time to stand and a time to step forward. This is not a time to step back. You know, when I got born again, now that you know I'm 56, I got born again at 21, so it was 35 years ago. It was a weird time. It was a weird time to get born again. We had bad music, we had bad theology, we had people falling, people shaking, people running around the building doing laughs, people laughing, which I never got to do. A lot of things were going on Back then, but I, you know, but I am going to tell you the one thing that we did have that I'm super thankful for. We would endure three and a half hours. I, I don't know, sometimes I just feel like God was like, I feel so sorry for them. I'm just going to pour out my presence because they are just struggling so hard and they just can't seem to find it. And then somehow, like the presence would happen. Then, of course, everybody thought it was because somebody shook or whatever. But anyway, the presence would fall out. And we, we were able to distinguish that the presence of God was there, but we didn't just leave the presence of God in the building. We actually took it home. We took it home. We put it in our heart. and We came into our houses, and we were so jealous for the presence of God that we would say things like, God, if there's anything displeasing, anything displeasing in my life, Anything that grieves your presence, show it to me. Any music, any show, any magazine, any habit, whatever it is, God, I don't want the warmth that I have now to just be a memory tomorrow morning. I want to protect the presence of God in my life. I'm going to watch what I say about other people. I'm going to watch what I do with my life in public. I I want to protect your presence. Now, that's not a salvation thing. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about works. I'm talking about the presence of the Most High God. Because we have never been more professional. We have never been more well-entertained. But sometimes I go places and I think to myself, where's the presence? Because in my hotel room singing off-key... I had the presence. And then when it's orchestrated with the lights and the smoke machine, I'm like, where's the presence? When you know the presence of God, then you want to protect it. Yeah. Right. You want to protect it. And the greatest things you can have in your life is the presence of God. And the presence of God is what distinguishes his people Moses would not go into the promised land if God's presence did not go with him. We must cry out for the presence of God. I think we have a picture of a coal that I think we might have it. I might be lying. Do we have a coal? Yes. Okay, this is an ember actually. An ember. This is a leadership conference and can I just say I'm so proud of all of you that you would come. And you would invest in your lives. And that you would invest in your time and you would take the time away to come and lean in and listen to the worship and listen to the teachings and learn, learn. Because I know that many of you, you're amazing communicators and teachers, but you said, I'm going to come and I'm going to lean in and I'm going to learn. Which means that this conference is going to deposit a number. It's going to deposit an ember in your heart and you have a choice what to do with that ember you can say that was a great conference and you can leave a little refreshed or you can begin to fan it into a flame because if you fan that into a flame then it isn't just going to stay on you it's going to go to your congregation it's going to go to your family it's going to go to your husband it's going to go to your wife it's going to go to your children they're going to be able to tell because people can sense. The presence of fire. They can sense warmth. They can sense light. They can sense that something maybe that's been on your life for a really long time is no longer there. Maybe that addiction has been consumed. They can sense the smoke. They can sense the anointing on your life. 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 6-7 says, For this very reason I remind you to fan into a flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. All of those things we've been equipped with. Love, power, self-control. All of these things. But one of the ways you fan it is with acts. Acts. Hebrews 11, says, through acts of faith, they toppled kingdoms, made justice work, and took the promises for themselves. Just acts. Just acts. Nobody else can do it for you. Nobody else is going to speak to the mountain in your life. You're going to have to speak to it. Right. You're going to need to speak to it. Jesus promised you and I that if we would speak to the mountain and say, be thou removed, and I'm not talking about, please don't mess with our beautiful mountainscape right out here. We don't don't want that happening, okay? I'm talking about the adversity. I'm talking about those high things in your life. I'm talking about the specific things that you have allowed to overshadow the promise of God, to overshadow the whole atmosphere of your home and your church. You must begin to speak to that mountain and command it to move. You must begin to speak to some things and tell them to be fruitful. And then you must speak to some other things and you must curse them at the root. You need to understand that God has given you authority and you need to speak the word of God out loud. Not just read it and meditate on it. You must meditate on it until it is in you and then you speak it out loud like a two-edged sword to set captives free and refacet your life. So that some kingdoms are toppled and some justice begins to work. I'm going to open up and I'm going to tell you a a ridiculous story about me because there's just so many of them that I have options. So um, last summer, not the most recent summer, but like a year and a half ago, I was driving in my car, and I'm just going to be honest because I don't have a very big filter. But, you know, hey, I travel a lot. And uh, I'm 56, which means I have an amazing friend who occasionally offers to scrape my face. She's like, I will just, you need to come in. Like, you just need to come in. And she does, like, microdermabrasion, or she like sometimes she's like, we can't even get it without that. We we'll have to blade you. So anyway, but, uh, so anyway, I'm, like, driving to an appointment to get a facial, and I get a phone call. I get a phone call that our guy, who has been distributing materials in Arabic in the Middle East for five years, that our guy was killed by ISIS. Now all of a sudden, I'm driving in my American car, heading for my facial, listening to worship music with air conditioning, and my little American bubble pops. I began to like grab a hold of my steering wheel, and I'm thinking, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to do. And they said, will you, will, will, you, will you write a letter to his widow? And I said, yes, yes. And then I thought, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. And I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to call Joyce Meyer. I'm going to call Joyce Meyer. I need to speak to an older woman. I need to speak to an older woman. And the Holy Spirit was like, stop it. You are an older woman. And he said, I need you, Lisa, I need you to stop putting question marks where I need you to put full stops or periods and exclamation marks. I need you to stop saying why, 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 what, 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 and comparing your life to what happened over there. Lisa, stop it. Stop it. You need to redeem this instead of question it instead of questioning your position, instead of making it about you. He said, you need to get in my presence. And I sat at my laptop, and I tried to write a letter to his wife, and I couldn't think of any words to say. Thank you. Thank you for your partnership. Thank you for your sacrifice. I call our international guy. I said, Rob, I'm having such a hard time. I don't know what to say. And he said, Lisa, some give much, and others give all. And he said, we just have to be faithful. Whether our requirement is a much or our requirement is all, we must be faithful. And I had been waiting. um, John had come to me, and, you know, I get in advance when I write a book. And John had said, where do you want to put your tithe? And I said, I just feel like there's something special. I was waiting, and when I got my phone call about Etik, I said it's going to his widow. And you know what? It's funny. This is my only book that's ever been a New York Times bestseller. But I think when you give to somebody that can never pay you back, and when you give to the widow, the orphan, and the poor, then God says, I'm going to breathe on your life. But he does need us to stop putting question marks. Well, we need to put exclamation marks and we need to put some periods. See, you and I are made for this time. I know you don't feel it. I know you may not see the strategy, but we are made for this time. Galatians 5.25 says, since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads, or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. The unique expression of you is in keeping with God's spirit in and on your life. You know, uh, God told me something, and please don't leave the building until I get done explaining it, because sometimes I scare people. I'd come back from South Korea, and you're probably already figuring out there's some people that do jet lag better than others, and I'm not one of those. But here's the thing. I had fallen asleep at my laptop. I know that because there was eight pages of the letter T. And I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, I think I've been asleep. And so I picked up my dog and I went to lay down on my bed just down the street from here. And as I was falling asleep, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I do not love my children equally. I was like, did I bring home a spirit of blasphemy from South Korea? You have to love us all the same. He said, I don't love you the same. He said, same would imply that one of you were replaceable. And he said, equal would say that my love can be measured. He said, I do not love my children equally. I love them uniquely. Oh. Yeah. And then I remembered when I was pregnant with my second son. I was so excited because I loved my first son so much. I said, let's have 20. And then I got pregnant with my second. I began to panic near the end of my pregnancy. Why? Because I loved Addison But i had the realization that i was going to have another baby and i thought i'm going to have to cut that mom and mom love in half and i'm going to have to share it with this stranger baby that looks really scary in the sonogram i don't know i don't know how i feel about that but that's not what happens any of you that has more than one child you know that's not what happened you don't have to cut it in half something brand new opens up in your life and that child awakened something in you that the other child didn't awaken, and you love maybe something about that child that is the very opposite of the thing you love about that child. Well, God is the same way about us. And when we compete and we compare and we try to be like each other, we're actually minimizing his expression to this earth. And God knows I love words, and I'm just going to confess it right now. I play a game on the computer. It is not Candy Crush. I go to Merriam Webster's dictionary, and there is a game there where you have to give the definition of the word the fastest, because I can get them all right and still not win. It has to be fast. I do that game all the time. I have been in the top five. I'm just gonna say it. Other people that might be needed to do other things, I am like LB, LB, LB is number five. Anyway, so I love words. So when God said, I don't love my children, Equally, I love them uniquely. He knew. I would go searching for that word. Unique means sole representative of. There is no one. There is no one that is created to represent God the way he created you to represent him. No one. No one has your circle of influence. Nobody knows the people that you know the way you know them. No one. No one. Sole representative of. Prototype is another definition God didn't make you and then make a bu- say, "Well, I like this, and I'm feeling kind of lazy. I'm just going to make a bunch of additional copies. There's no same. There's no same. But the third-tier definition is my favorite: without rival. There is no competition for your place at the table. Wow. There is no competition. There is no game that you must play. There is no prize that you must win long before you ever drew a breath, you were chosen in Christ. He has loved you, not he will love you. He has loved you with an everlasting love, and he has drawn you with loving kindness. That is the kind of love that we have experienced. God loves you and I fearlessly, fearlessly. He's not like... I- I'm afraid Lisa's going to make a mistake. He knows I'm going to make a mistake. But just because I make a mistake doesn't make me a mistake. And if you think that because you have made a mistake, you are a mistake, then you are mistaken. (laughs) And if you think that all of that, you're missing it here or there, means that somehow you have undermined the plan of God in your life, little brother and... Little sister, I'm just going to tell you something. You're not that powerful. God has this ability to redeem your past and put you on a path. It may look different. There may be consequences. But you still will finish your race if you choose to. Some of you might just be limping. Some of you might have some other things going on. But it doesn't matter. All of us have a chance to take our broken places And redeem them because people actually identify with us based on our weaknesses, and then we lead them based on our strengths. This is the kind of life we have chosen. Your life and all of its potential is a God-given entrustment. And it would be a shame if all that is in you was like so much treasure that was never on earth. You are not a spectre. You have far more interesting things to do with your life. And the future is now. Listen to Paul in Galatians 6, 4 through 5. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given, then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Creative best. But when we look at the world We'll never do our creative best because we're supposed to get our inspiration from creation and the creator. Right. Everything we see tells us there is something more than what we can see. Right. But looking at Facebook and Instagram is just going to make you feel like, oh my gosh, they're already doing that. I thought I was going to do that. Stop it. Yeah. We need more than one person to do the same thing because you'll do it differently. Yeah. First John 2.15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world, and the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let's break that down. The desires of the flesh is wanting your own way. The lust of the eyes or the desires of the eyes is wanting everything you see and the pride of life is wanting to appear important in the eyes of other people. And everything in our culture is feeding this. Social media, everything is, look at me, look at me, look at what I have, look at what you don't have. It's passing away. And you and I are called to be friends to this world, not friends with this world. Because when we make ourselves friends with the world, we put ourselves under its system. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of of life. But when I am a friend to the world, I don't have sympathy for it. I have compassion. When I have compassion, I can stand on the outside and say, what you are looking for will never fulfill you. It will only disappoint you. And I can live a life that shows that I serve a God without rival. James four, 4 says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world, not to the world, of the world, makes himself an enemy of God I read about the book of Acts and I see what happens in some other countries I have had the privilege and the honor of standing on some of the most prestigious platforms on the world but I did not become a Christian to be a speaker and I would rather know God than talk about him And I believe that right now we can speak more about Him than we can actually hear from Him because our world is so cluttered. So I'm just getting crazy enough to believe that if I begin to pray the same kind of prayers that the book of Acts prayed, then I might see the same kind of expressions in my life. A couple months ago I said to John, you know what, I had Jesus tell me, He's not going to ask me, Lisa, did you go to all the amazing conferences you were invited to? He's not going to ask me that. He's going to say, Lisa, did you go where I sent you? I'm going to give an account. And if I went where I was sent, and if I made disciples, or if I created fans, I don't want people to look at me. I want them to look at him. I want them to follow Christ. As I follow Christ and I am more than willing to tear my clothes in any area and make fun of myself so that they can see the difference in that gap. I'm going to close with this, Acts 4, 29. And I think we're going to put it up here. It's from the Passion Translation, which is from the Aramaic. And I just love it because it's so poetic. This is the book of Acts. It says, So now, Lord, listen to their threats to harm us and empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your Holy Son, Jesus. And at that moment, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. Unrestrained boldness. Can I close and have all of you stand to your feet? I may not have a lot of things, but one of the things my husband would say is I do have unrestrained boldness. (laughs) Look at me. Empowered people, empower people. And freed people, free people. And healed people, heal people. And anointed people, anoint people people. And discipled people, disciple other people. And educated people, educate people. We are meant to be in constant motion. So as a Sicilian grandmother, I give you full permission to speak the word of God with unrestrained boldness. To declare his faithfulness to you to declare his faithfulness for you to begin to speak the Word of God and open up some pathways in your future. I give you permission to no longer whisper. If you are a woman, you can lift your voice. The Great Commission is your permission. We need you to speak like a woman and like a man and like a father and like a mother. The house of God must be filled with the voice of all, lifting their voice and honoring Him for His glory and for His praise. And everyone that agrees, say, "Amen." amen and amen. God bless you.